At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app. Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. You ready to check your feelings at the door? Check it out. Check it out. This is Am I Reister or Am I Wrong? We're bringing you facts and only the truth now. Am I Reister or Am I Wrong? I'm George Reister. He's Ralph Amson, and this is Reister or Wrong. Heavy stuff today, people. Uh, Tyler Skaggs, a former Angels pitcher who overdosed in 2019 and uh, died from asphyxiation. Well, the man who gave him the pills, Angels Communications Director Eric K., was found guilty of distributing a controlled substance and contributing to Tyler Skaggs' death. And now he faces a minimum of 20 years in prison now that he's convicted. The NFL has major drama with the Cowboys and the Commanders. That's the Washington team, in case you don't know who that is, uh, with all of the sexual assault allegations and um, voyeurism claims. Matthew Stafford at the Rams parade, watched a woman fall off the stage, a photographer, and he just turned turned his back like she slipped and fell, (laughs) You, you, you know, off the sidewalk. And uh, college football is staying at four. The dinosaurs are happy and Arizona State has more drama than Arizona State. Uh, but uh, we will start with the situation with Eric K. and Tyler Skaggs. Eric K. was the communications director over at the uh, 
Los Angeles Angels. And that is not a high-ranking position. You are essentially a a runner almost on some level for the for the team. Guys will ask you to book tea times, dinner reservations, make sure their tickets are right, who's supposed to sit next to who, and they are the keeper of secrets for the team and for the players spe- specifically. Now, Eric K was not known to be a drug dealer. He was known to be an addict. He had just gotten out of rehab a month prior to uh, Tyler Skaggs getting uh, uh, dying. Uh, And he died when they were on a road trip to go to play the Texas Rangers. Now, Eric K gets convicted. Uh, The the autopsy report says that Tyler Skaggs died from asphyxiation. He had oxycodone, fentanyl and alcohol in his system. His wife sent him a text that morning when he didn't respond and said something like, you know, you better respond to me. Otherwise, I'm going to tell everybody that you have a bad alcohol problem. So that's kind of interesting. Um, he died from asphyxiation. We know how people will throw up sometimes after alcohol, but the buzzword was fentanyl. California would not take the case, but the state of Texas decided to indict Eric K because he gave him the pills and then and then he subsequently died. And so Texas wanted to make an example out of Eric K. So now timeline of events. They're at the hotel. Tyler Skaggs texts Eric Eric K. Yo, come up to my room. Goes up to his room. According to Eric K, he was uh, he's been out of rehab. He had been out of rehab, and then um, he wasn't using. But yes, he was still getting pills for some of the Angels players. Like at back in 2019, Matt Harvey, who also admitted to having a cocaine problem. Crone and a couple other players who were on the Angels at the time. So now K says he goes up there that Skaggs had already been uh, that that they were pill crushers. So the, uh, he would crush up the pills and snort them. Now, now he says that when he left his room, he left him alive. And now Skaggs was actually. Uh, found in the room. He still had his cowboy boots on, jeans, all of that stuff when they found him the next day. And so so he was convicted by the jury of essentially contributing to this man's death and basically being a drug dealer. And I wonder, Ralph, my first thought is, and it's sad because I'm like, would we even be having this discussion if it were Eric K that died instead of Tyler Skaggs, no. would there have been a trial? No, no. This is a high-profile fentanyl death um, that a lot of people wanted to get to the bottom of the truth of, and then because this is such a problem, and especially the the state of Texas believes in diversion through fear of um, punitive means. Um, which is a Doesn't work. long-winded way of saying Texas believes in scared straight, right? Um, and making an example of people, uh, no, no, this would just be another fentanyl death if it wasn't, um, if it wasn't Tyler Skaggs. And it's unfortunate that that's the way um, that the system works. But I think one of the points that you're getting at here is that 
that it all is also an incredibly dangerous precedent because nobody on this earth that abuses prescription drugs or acquires prescription drugs through illegal measures does so without a plug. And Eric K wasn't a drug dealer. He was a plug. Correct. So what does that mean for the entire system? Yeah, because he was an addict as well. So it's like, so it's like now you are putting into, and, and mind you, I'm not saying Eric K does not have some responsibility in the situation. I don't have a problem with Eric K going to, to, to jail. He was dealing, oh, I'm sorry. He was uh, handing out prescription or illegal drugs. Uh, and some of, and in this case of a fake drug and he didn't know it was fake, obviously, otherwise he wouldn't have given it to him. He didn't want to kill Tyler, Tyler Skaggs. So, so I understand him having some responsibility and him even going to jail or drug program, something. I have no problem with that at all. But I do think that we have to stop passing the buck. And this is coming from a person who has had drug addicts, alcohol, alcoholism in his family. Now, we do have to take some personal responsibility in these situations because Tyler Skaggs wanted drugs. If Eric K didn't get him drugs, Tyler Skaggs was still going to get oxycodone. Right. So that's the issue, because a lot of times we get to focusing on the symptom and not the problem, because the drug dealers are not the problem. Drug dealers are the symptom. The the problem is, is that drug is that people want drugs. They want them. They want to get high. They want all of this stuff. Because and if there is a this is basic economics, if there is a demand for something. There will be somebody will supply it. If there's a there's a market for kidneys, people will supply it. There's a market for and this is absolute. There's a human trafficking market for young children, for boys, for women. The 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 problem. Yes, those people who are trafficking should be absolutely punished harshly. But the issue is the real issue is, is that is the need and the desire that people have in them for that. So it's not an availability problem. It's a internal problem because because if one person doesn't supply it, another person will. Yeah. And there's a there's a person out there who gave a quote a few years back that always stuck in my mind. And I hate that this is the person that did it because it's such a buzzword that just makes people turn their brains off immediately. But I remember a long time ago, Hillary Clinton got a bunch of crap for saying, you know, they don't force these drugs over over the border. If you want drugs to stop spilling over the border, don't use them. Yep. Like you you actually create that. It's not just a bunch of like evil brown people from the southern hemisphere who really, really want uh, uh, America to fail. It's that there is a market. Therefore, there are suppliers. Correct. And and people didn't want to wear shoes. Nike wouldn't exist anymore. Correct. Not as a as a as a shoe apparel company, maybe as a brand that does other things. But like that, that always stuck with me because it, it is the truth. And it's the hard truth that we all need to face down that there are a lot of people 
illegally using drugs, which creates the market for for illegal drugs, why is our focus on the the very, very back end of the suppliers? If it was, let's say that it was Coca-Cola, the Mexican Coke, right? That comes in the in, in the bottles. Not not Coke that you put up your nose, but Coke that you drink. Okay. Who do you get mad at when you have people in your family that are dealing with diabetes from soda consumption? Do you get mad at the sugarcane farmers? Do you get mad at, at the, the, the people who ship the ingredients to Atlanta? Do you get mad at the company who produces the product that, that people are consuming? Do you get mad at the marketers who try to find ways to get it in front of you? Or do you look at the people who are actually consuming the product and say that they have some responsibility? Like, where should your focus be? Yep. Yeah. Like, are you mad at the poppy farmers? Because the uh, poppy farmers are the low man on the table. Like there are actual uses for for poppy leaves and seeds and all of that stuff. Practical uses for it. So are you upset with them? Are you like at what point in the supply chain do you do you start to blame people? And I, for one, I look at this and I say, yes, there is personal responsibility. But the other part is we need to start looking at the opioid crisis the same way that we look at people who ended up on crack in the in the 80s because black people who ended up on crack in the 80s it was like oh my god these people look look at them they're not they can't control themselves and this and this but the market was flooded with a new product that got you super high how is that any different than what the pill makers have done legally yeah. Where they flooded the market and and what they sold doctors on with huge kickbacks. Even the, I don't even know if the doctors actually believed it, but they gave doctors huge incentives to to write prescriptions for their drug and all of this. And then people end up hooked on it and they knew that this was going to happen. They yeah, knew there's it was not a happen. single member. There's not a single member of the Sackler family or anybody that worked at Purdue Pharma that has ever spent a day in jail. Yeah. And the downstream effects. How are they any? Are, di- how are they any different? Yeah. So they pull the rug out from under the pain management community that they created. Uh, the, the the government allowed to happen, and then the government's like, "Whoa, whoa! This is a crisis. We got to stop the flow of these opiates going out into the community." We have a bunch of people who are dependent on it we're still looking for a fix and all of a sudden there's a cheaper more available alternative that is laced with a drug that can kill you uh first time that you ever try it and so because people in their mind were like yo this is illegal i don't have to worry about going going to jail all this stuff and then when the government cracked down on the availability then all of a sudden now those people are like i can't afford you know the the black market for the pill at 25 30 bucks a pill so now i gotta go to heroin now i gotta go to uh you know uh uh you know ice or i gotta go to um meth to to get that to get that same high and then that turns into another problem on top of that but now the question is what do the angels like what responsibility do the angels have in this situation because the team obviously knows that or or they hear rumors yeah they may have some players who use coke or something like that but there's a lot of people who are functioning addicts and what what are they supposed to do 
I like, are they supposed to be like, hey, guy, come here. I think you may be using coke. Let me holler at you. No, you can't. And the, and the guy's going to say, no, no, I don't. I haven't failed a drug test. Why are you Why are you bothering me? What responsibility does any company have to what their employees do on their own time? What is the level of responsibility? And we're going to get into a, a, something that Nick Saban talked about um, this this last week that I think we're going to get we're going to dive further into it. But my my question for you is, why are there so many people who aren't sympathetic to when, when it's so pervasive, when so many people have been hurt? Why are there so many people who aren't sympathetic to the entire um, drug epidemic? Is it is it just that people that there are enough people out there that wouldn't even know where to get drugs if they tried? So they assume that, like, well, I'm a good person because I don't have experience with this. No. You are you are right, bro. And I'm a big believer that player that people and all that stuff that that, yes, there is responsibility up and down the chain. But but here's the other thing that's wild. So after the Tyler Skaggs thing, after his death, the MLB put in a policy where they started testing for opioids and fentanyl and and all that sorts of sort of sort of stuff right so they started testing for it they say that not a single player has tested positive since for for cocaine opioids or anything like that now do i believe that that's and my, mind you if they test positive they don't get suspended they go into like a drug diversion program and stuff like that now first thing is i'm not sure if i believe that anybody's never tested positive but the, also I would need to see the policy because the the half life for cocaine and uh, fentanyl and all of that stuff, it, like we're, we're we're talking twenty four to seventy two hours max. So if you were in the NFL, which I was with the Jaguars, we there was one year in particular where coke got a little big on our team, and if you tested and if, if players knew that if you tested if you did coke on like a Friday night then your drug test wasn't until Monday. So now Monday, you're going to be, you're, and especially because you played a game in between, your, your body flushes out so much stuff, so there's no chance that you test positive on Monday. And then you got all the way until the next Friday to, to do coke again if you want to. So, like, the, the the idea that the MLB said nobody's tested positive, I'm like, come on, come on, man. Like, it, like we were we were born at night. It wasn't last night, though. Yeah. I, I don't know, man. This this whole thing's so ugly. I, it, it's weird because it's like, well, we're, so the thing that's going to come out of this is people say that George Reister and Ralph Amson feel bad for Eric K. I don't feel bad for anybody. I feel bad for the system that we're in, that, that people can't see that there is only one way out. There's only one way out of this. And that is for us to be very, very honest with each other about how the drug drug epidemic uh, takes hold and that it's not some slippery slope of, of like pure evil, but it's just circumstance. I cover high school sports. I've had four athletes that I cover really closely, get a hot pill and die. I had a former athlete that I covered that went to Stanford, played football and baseball and got on at the coaching staff in Northern Colorado, got a hot pill and died. Like, 
this type of stuff happens because people are looking for a way to relax. They're looking for a way to calm down. There's so much stimulus going on all of the time. Sometimes they have legitimate pain. And then you get that one friend who's like, oh, this is my in. This is my way to be of use. You know, I, I got these pills. I'll, I'll share them, you know, and, and every once in a while you'll get a person who either genetically or the circumstances of their life gives them that craving. Right. Yeah. It, it, okay. it, it keeps their okay. mind on that. Now. And so. Yeah, I don't know, man. I we, we, we could talk about this forever. But my whole thing is like people need to understand it could literally happen to anyone. It could yep. literally happen to anyone. And and finding someone along the supply chain to blame isn't going to uproot what the actual issue is. It's not. Correct. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape, you can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media, as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley, and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray, rock the baby to sleep and slam dunk. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
NFL Total Access, the podcast, is getting you ready for the 2024 NFL Draft. I'm your host, Andrew Levy, and I'll be delivering two shows a week to make sure you're caught up on the very latest NFL news, including every free agency move and how it changes the draft needs of your favorite team. Draft experts and talent scouts, mock drafts, and a few shock drafts, too. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is already on the clock on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Now, Nick Saban yesterday, um, he was at the the coaches uh, at the coaches association meeting, and he gave a talk. And one of the things that he talked about was uh, Henry Ruggs, his former player. He was like, Henry Ruggs is a good kid. He's still a good kid. He made a terrible decision, which I one hundred percent agree with, and. But Nick Saban also said that the friends that he was with are, that at 3 a.m. in the morning when he left their house, they should have taken his keys. And that sometimes people want to be too cool and don't want to rock the boat, especially with famous people and all of that stuff. And that because the famous person be like, listen, well, I'm cutting you off. You can't hang out with me anymore. This, this, this. And you take their keys how much do you think responsibility is with people who are around you? Because I do, I don't think that the person should go to jail for not doing it because I've, because I've had people where I've tried to take, t- take their stuff and it got combative almost. And I'm like, all right, well, all right, dude. So on you, I tried. I'm not getting ready to fight you. I'm like, I'm not getting ready to full on fist fight you over, over mm-hmm. this. So how much of it is on friends as a and loved ones and acquaintances that are around you, and how much of it is on the actual person? You just can't be an enabler. That that that's the whole thing. Is you know, and I think what Nick Saban was saying needs discussion, maybe more than anything we've ever talked about, because it really comes down to you, your heart and who you who you choose to be. You know. And people are going to want to surround themselves with, with, with people who don't create friction in their lives. But you have to have values. You, you have to. to. To get through life and not just uh, flow back and forth with the tide, you have to know what your values are. You have to know what your standards are. And you have to stand 10 toes down on them. Right. And if one of those things is not drinking and driving and you have to be the militant friend, you would be surprised how infectious that attitude is because if, if if you're not just like a dick in every other area of your life where you're hard to be around people will understand that the reason that you're doing something like that is because you care for them now there are people in my life who are in the throes of addiction where i've tried to um i've been in situations where i've tried to take their keys hide their keys sober them up do other stuff and it ended physically Yep. And, and I, and I did, and I did, and I did take it to that level and I regretted it, you know, in, in, in the morning, but you have to have your values. You have to stand 10 toes down on, on what you believe is right. And if you've been affected, um, as I have by, you know, a drunk driving upending your, your whole life, family, friends, stuff like that, uh, it consequences that go on forever. You got to say to yourself, like, if I'm ever in this position to stop somebody, am I going to be that person? And you have to put yourself in situations that you could never imagine because that's the only way you get reps. 
right? When you were when you were with the Jaguars, would you practice two minute offense? Yes, for sure. Even though you guys uh, some years weren't very good to even be in a situation where you might have to run, <laughs> where you'd be within one score to run a two minute <laughs> offense. To get the- <laughs> I'm sorry, dude, but you know no. what I'm saying. I'm saying like. Uh, you have to put yourself in unlikely situations and get yeah. mental reps to say, here is what I would do in that situation. You can't just say, no, I believe that I would do it. you got to act it out in your own head. And yeah. I think that what Nick Saban was saying is like, look, that dude never had an issue when he was here. He goes out into the world where there aren't the type of leaders that I'm trying to raise up and not one person takes his keys. And that, yeah, it's his responsibility. and He's facing the music for it. But what's in the head and heart of every single person that was around him that night that had the opportunity to stop it? Yep. Or m- maybe th- they tried to, and he was like, "Listen, no, you you ain't taking my, my keys, homie." And yeah, so I don't know. Man. I mean, dude, I got a job at Applebee's when I was like twenty, and then we had eight meetings about overserving people. And why do you think we had those eight meetings? Do you think it was out of the goodness of the hearts of the people? No, who ran it's that because Applebee's the company franchise? doesn't want to be liable, and they want to say, "Listen, we." We we teach them, we teach them. So if somebody does overserve, then you come in. Listen, we did all these meetings. We talked to the man. It's the manager's fault because the manager wasn't watching. Yeah. It's the So what So am I supposed to care about Applebee's corporate's bottom line? Or am I supposed to say this aligns with my values? I'm not gonna give somebody their eighth grateful dead uh and then give them and then let them drive out of there without calling and Uber, it really comes yep. down to what your values are as a person. The company okay. can do what they can to protect themselves. The person that that is is consuming can do the thing to protect themselves. But if you ever come into play in that situation, you got to be who you are. Who are you? Okay. Okay. Now, speaking of values, right? And what would you do in a situation? What would you do in this situation, Ralph? Don't ask me. So that's Matthew Stafford. He's at the Rams parade. Photographer is taking pictures and she takes one step too far back, falls down, ends up uh, like breaking her back, like having a fracture in her spine. Matthews and mind you, Matthew Stafford doesn't know what happened to her. He's drunk at the time. Now, he turned around and walked away like, oh, and his wife clearly went to go attend and help the situation because uh, now Matthew Stafford's taking a lot of flack. They've already said they're paying her medical bills and, and all of this stuff. What more do you want the dude to do? Because like, granted, I think he should have like looked down and be like, Oh my God, are you okay? I mean, that's the human decency element, but he was drunk at the parade and maybe he's like, I'm the quarterback because there is an element of when you are the quarterback or when you are a professional athlete, when bad situations happen, people tell you, I'm just, this the honest truth. They, they're like, you get away from here. We will deal with this. And there's an element of his wife protecting the situation. Cause she's like, I got to protect Matthew because he's the golden child. So I mean, these sorts of things happen all the time. So now is Matthew Stafford wrong for living in that moment? Or do you think that he should have done something different or was this an innocent mess up? Oh, man, I hate that you're asking me this. So now I know what it looks like to be the turnaway guy. Now I know what it looks like because I don't know what I look like when I do it. And I do that probably 20 times a day. 
That's my reaction. Yeah, we all do it with our kids on some on some. It's level. our kids. Like, it's the kids. Nope, it's one nope, one kid trips the other kid, and you're money. like, "Yeah, if I didn't see it, then I don't have to address it." <laughs> I just turn. And that that like what came out of his mouth, everything about that, which is like, "Oh, it's headed this way anyway." You take a drink of your water. You try to act casual. I'm not gonna lie. Like everything about what he did, I'm like, I do that daily. If I'm out at the mall and somebody is texting on their phone and they run into somebody else who is texting on their phone. That's what I do. I I don't, that's just my reaction. I don't know if I would have done it when somebody had a four foot fall going backwards when they were trying to take my picture, but now I know how it looks. I'm sure I would have turned around and maybe he did turn around because the video just kind of cuts out or whatever. And he didn't have to pay the medical bills. And I really hate the the end result of all this is people have found that girl's old tweets and they're like racist against Asian and black people and homophobic. And now she's deleted her entire Twitter. And the whole thing has just become like a giant, giant mess where Matthew Stafford's being held responsible for something that he didn't do. And then now that woman's life is upended for, for, for nine-year-old tweets. Um, so I hate everything about this. But now I know what it looks like when I do that. <laughs> you say that you do that. What, how, how does what you saw change, change okay. maybe what you would do in, in that, that situation? In that particular situation, I would have checked on her. Like, I'm more mind your own business. And, and I actually regret, and I'm going to be honest here, dude. I regret something that I didn't do last weekend. We were at a, we were at my son's, um, seven on seven tournament. I mean, it's tons of tons of teams out there, all age groups, but this is a 10 U team. And this dude is out there. MF and the kids like coach MF and the kids. Like, uh, and one kid in particular going off on them. And I didn't say anything because my thinking was, I was like, this kid's parents are probably here and they're clearly okay with this dude talking to their kid like that. So, so, or this could be his kid, his nephew, anything like that. Who am I to say something about it? But then after I was like, it doesn't matter. Like I still should have said something in the situation. Or do you think I should not have said something? You're still thinking about it now, right? You're still thinking about it. If you had said something, would you still be thinking about it right now? Mm, I may have been thinking about the fight I got in. Now I had to whip his ass. <laughs> but you wouldn't be looking back like you, the way you'd be looking back at it is like, well, I probably did what I had to do, right? Yeah, correct. Yeah. So I, and this and is now where. Now I'm getting sued by this asshat. Oh my God. I am, I am not a, I'm not typically a mind your business person. Um, no, you are not. Yeah. <laughs> I remember I was refing a um, a youth soccer game uh, when I was 19, and one of the coaches was really getting on me, really getting on me. And he said something to his bench, like where the whole thing was like, so I would hear it, but he was facing them. And, uh, and I walked over and I was like, you do it again, I'm going to make you wait in your car. And he said, uh, he's like, Oh, it's interesting that your hearing is so good since you can't see. Which <laughs> that was a that's good a one. great line, right? Yeah. Well, I got mad and I made him wait in his car. T- 
turns out he was the head of recreation for the whole uh, county. Yeah. So it turned into like a newspaper story and stuff like that. 19 years old. I made the head of recreation wait in his car for a fourth grade girls soccer game. Right. Yeah. And that I think that's pretty representative of who I've always been. But now my kids are starting to play sports for the very first time. And I'm sitting on the sideline with all the other parents and they're roasting the refs. And you would figure with me being who I am, that I would tell the other parents on the team, like, this isn't the way, right? This is not the way. Um, I have just started adopting the whole, like, your consequences are your consequences, live and let live. Yeah. And that's really, really, really hard for me, but you gotta, you gotta, I'm learning that you have to pick and choose your battles. You can't just suit up every day to, (laughs) every day to get yourself mixed up in everything. But if it's a major situation like where, you know, somebody's going to get injured or, you know, if it's not like a family dynamics thing, then I think you've got to step in. I'm just realizing that that reaction Matthew Stafford had is is probably my default, at least when there's like injury or that's what I do when I'm at home. When you send me a video of like somebody falling or getting hurt, I drop my phone and walk away. Yeah. Like I'm going to have some responsibility to the person of the video that I just saw. Like that's just... So I don't know. I think what he did was natural. Do you believe that he's actually contributing any money to this? Or do you think the Rams are footing the bill and putting his name on it to save face for the way that people reacted to the video? Oh, either, either, either way, it doesn't matter. It's a drop in the bucket for, for uh, him. Um, Yeah. (laughs) Would you? Would you, if you were on the Jaguars, you guys want a Super Bowl? Yes, I would contribute to it because. It's the right thing to do, and it's a good PR move, save face, all of that. So, yes, I would do it. All right. What do you um, think Kelly said to Matt when she uh, saw the video? What she probably ain't real happy with him right now. She probably is not real happy. My, my, she's a brain. Uh, she's had brain surgery, all of that stuff, bro. She ain't real happy about leaving somebody in, in a lurch. Um, all right. Uh <laughs> The uh, NFL is having major drama. You have the Dallas Cowboys who had to pay $2.4 million to some cheerleaders for what they uh, for a voyeurism claim where a former vice president was like took a back, went in through a back room and was looking at them naked, all of that stuff. And they saw him. He was recording them. And then you have the Washington football team, right? Well, the, the, the Washington Commanders, where they have a common interest agreement with the NFL about what happened uh, with their with those 650,000 emails and their upper management being creepy and create sexually harassing people, their owner paying almost two million dollars for something that he did on an airplane uh, with a, a former staffer. And then they fired her and um and put it on her termination record that she was fired and and all of that stuff so yeah so um i don't like this topic either yeah um and so if you are and i believe this mind you i have no proof of this and the majority of things that i that i say there's a reason why i say it like i've i have some sort of insider information and all of this stuff where I formulated my opinion. This 
It's just common sense that tells me this. So the NFL ended up throwing uh, John Gruden to the Wolves, right? And and rightfully so. But now you had a hundred page report about Deflate Gate, but about this situation, there was no written report, only in only an oral report. So why did they do this? Hmm. Common interest agreement. So that means that there are some other people, probably other owners that are caught up in these emails. And they don't want to be forced to sell their teams. And Daniel Snyder is probably like, listen, he seems like the kind of guy that would say, listen, if you force me to sell this team, I will burn this whole damn thing down. I know some of your dusty corners too, homeboys. I know what's in the emails. Yeah. And now and yeah. now you have the situation with Stephen Ross down in Miami where he may have been accused of, well, there may be evidence that he tried to get the team to lose intentionally and get the coach to do it, which would be grounds for him to try to sell the team for them to for, force him out. Now, if he knows what Daniel Snyder did, what's he going to do? Hold up, bro. You right. didn't you didn't make 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 him sell it. So now so now what? Uh right. y'all made sure that Rob, Robert Kraft had no uh penalties for uh doing something illegal in a massage parlor down in West West Palm Beach. Ah, uh, nah, nah, player. That ain't that ain't happening. That ain't happening. Yeah, the NFL is a lot like the federal government. They're not gonna take up a case they can't win. Yep. Right. Which is me giving a little plug to if, if anybody's been following the college basketball Adidas scandal, buy Merle Code's book, do it, because you'll find out exactly what, what I'm talking about. Like the federal government is not going to pick up a case that they can't win. The NFL is not going to go to battle with these owners unless they can force somebody out and it's a clean cut. Just like the NBA with Donald Sterling, just like I'm, I'm assuming like the Jerry Richardson thing is that was within the NFL's purview. Like that was something yeah. that they could they can make a move on. Um, you know, th- this is uh, whew, the cheerleading thing. So let's just get to that. Okay. We have to be very honest with ourselves on the fact that like the people that own these NFL teams are trying to put together a visually stimulating product that they can sell on multiple fronts. Right. Yes. As, as my wife likes to say, those are not cheerleaders. They're not, they're not. Cheerleading is a different thing. It's like it's a sport. Yeah, like, this is like the people who try to like get mad about seven on seven not being real football. Um, the dancers on the sideline at NFL games are not cheerleaders. That doesn't make them bad people. That doesn't make what they do wrong. It's just not cheerleading. The whole point of having these women on the sideline, having them be in the calendars, having them be team representatives, is to be visually stimulating and appealing. To a certain type yes. of audience, and to right? and to them and to the women, they should be paid better than they are paid. Um, but like Absolutely. they get some advantage to being, uh, you know, Cowboys cheerleaders, Washington cheerleaders a, a, as well. But they should be paid for what they do, as opposed to making below minimum wage for yeah. what they're doing. So now that's a whole different topic. But so I don't right. want- and the and the, the cheer, NFL cheerleader thing works like any injury. You have 300 people apply for 20 spots because they know that it's going to provide them some type of 
benefit for either, you know, their career goals or whatever they're going to do on the back end. I'm not as cynical as most people when it comes to like, Oh, like the, the women just want attention or what? I, I don't think that's the case at all. I think that it provides opportunities and if you can use it as a tool, great. But you're also talking about all of these men in this corporate structure having access to these women. And what you're telling these men is like, hey, the entire purpose of this, wink, wink, nudge, nudge, you know what it is, but don't take it too far. Don't step over that line. And you have people habitually all over the NFL stepping over that line to exploit these women. And they're already being exploited with their pay. We've already had lawsuits and issues over that. Then make it $8 an hour, which is pretty wild. But like the, this, this whole thing of like the NFL is going to keep, the NFL is going to keep getting in trouble when it comes to like the, the way that pervy old men are around 20 to 24 year old female. That's never going to stop happening. Uh, what is interesting is because it's so pervasive, you can't actually nail anybody down from it. So it's just going to be settlement after settlement. Um, and I don't know, I, I'm not a Puritan. I'm not saying that, you know, getting rid of it is, is the only issue, but at some point it, it's, it's all about telling hard truths, right? Yep. At some point the NFL is going to say like, Oh, we created a situation in which we add a bunch of dudes with money around young women that they are telling need to barely wear clothing and we're saying behave yourself and that behave yourself isn't working. Yep. No, you are one, 100% right, dude. 100% right. Fox sports radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com and within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live at bed. Three, six, five. We don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play from the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets. When you bet just $5, Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape, you can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating Cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media, as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley, and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. 
Ray rocked the baby to sleep and slammed dunk. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James! LeBron James! And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is getting you ready for the 2024 NFL Draft. I'm your host, Andrew Levy, and I'll be delivering two shows a week to make sure you're caught up on the very latest NFL news, including every free agency move and how it changes the draft needs of your favorite team. Draft experts and talent scouts, mock drafts, and a few shock drafts, too. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is already on the clock on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Now, now we have seen uh, other stuff go on in the NFL, um, but now over in college football, we have found out today that they are going to stay at four teams for the college football playoff for the next uh, until 2026 when expansion is going to happen. Now, this was the ACC's doing. This was the ACC's doing because they need unanimous consent at this point in time. They won't in 2026. And the, the, the dinosaurs, the stay at four people won. And now we're going to continue to have the same self-fulfilling prophecy that George Kliakoff, commissioner of the Pac-12, talked about. Oh, we've made the playoffs. These other teams have not made the playoffs. So so this is the only place. So these are the only places that you can come to make the playoff. You can go to Alabama. You can go to Georgia. You can go to Clemson. You can go, I mean, I guess to Oregon because they've made the playoffs, but they haven't made it in a long time. So the Pac-12 hasn't made it since Washington did, what, 2016? And so, so now it's like, oh, so you can go to Oklahoma and make it. Mm, Lincoln Riley leaves. Maybe USC can make it, but who knows? So now it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy of who can make it. And then that affects recruiting, which then impacts who can make it again. And TV, the TV ratings for the playoff continue to decline. Interest in it continues to decline. Teams pack in their season after they lose one game. I, I I couldn't hate this anymore, Ralph. I figured when I saw that Josh Pate tweeted that you were on, <laughs> you were on the phone with him when this news broke. I was like, oh, he was probably very angry. Dude, um, he, I, I was doing an interview with Josh Pate. I, and I did he, not see his tweet, but now I have to go out and check it out. <laughs> is he a stay at four guy? Yes. Okay. Uh, well, I'm still playing NCAA 2013, so I'm still in the BCS era uh, in my gaming habits. Um, I, I'm, I am movable on this issue. I really am because anybody who makes an argument, it has something behind it. My team is never going to be in this conversation. None of the <laughs> That's teams sad. Hey, I can't help where I was born and I can't help where I was raised, right? Yeah. There's not going to be 
uh, Wyoming national championship. There's not going to be an Arizona state national championship. There could be some really, really good years. Washington got into the the college football playoffs. So maybe you could say like, Oh, you know, there's hope for um, Arizona state. I know that my best shot at, at having Wyoming be a group of five representative by being the best group of five team. I know that my best shot at, at competing at that level um as, as an Arizona State alum is most likely um, expansion of some kind. But at the end of the day, I enjoy the sport for the sake of the sport. I think that bowl games are cool. Um, I wish that they would expand bowl games. I really do. And I wish that they would make bowl games uh, showcases instead of um, what, what they are, which is just an extended end of season commercial. I wish that we could change our collective mindset about what bowl games are to treat them the way that we treat a spring game. Like, Oh, like the season is over one and 11 Mississippi state is going to play two and nine Akron. Uh, But guess what? You're going to like in this game, all the underclassmen get to play. Right. That type of thing is, I think that that something that could make, see, that's what they should be doing with the spring game. The spring game, like you should play the spring game against another team. That way, yeah. So hey, something like that to where to where there's an actual because people are saying that bowls are meaningless. Bowls aren't meaningless if you change your focus on what a bowl game is. Yeah, just change your focus. That's all you got to do is change your mind on what a bowl game is. If you say that a bowl game is a showcase, then you can get excited about a showcase. You can get excited about the future. Yeah, the and fans can get excited about like, yo, matter. we're gonna see some of the next new young stars in college football go play ball. No, nah. yeah. It's a matter of perspective. I'm all about expansion and expand your mindset. Right. But when it comes to like, whether there's two teams in the national championship or four or, or eight or 12 seems extreme, but like, I understand it. um, I'm going to watch. More people are going to watch. watch Like, like that's the thing about it is more people are going to watch. More people are going to be engaged with it. And three, four years in, you're going to get some upsets. You're not going to keep getting the same champion because more kids are going to go to more teams who, oh, all of these teams can make the playoffs. So maybe I don't have to go all the way from California to Georgia. Maybe I'll go, maybe I'll go to Utah. Maybe I'll go to USC. Maybe I'll go to UCLA. Maybe I'll go to Oregon. Maybe I'll go to M- Missouri. Maybe I'll and stay and yeah. stay at home. Instead of the other thing. So, yeah. Then that's how George Klyavkov talked me into when he gave an interview at a Salt Lake radio station. That's how he talked me into the idea that a 12-team playoff could be good because if the whole thing, if your whole priority is I'm going to go somewhere where I have a shot at a national championship, that expands the pool. Yep. And that keeps the concentration of talent from all of the best players going to Georgia and Alabama every single year. So, yeah, that's a thing that I'm, I'm excited about. But I'm also a person that is going to watch the games no matter what. I've never understood the mindset of like people who clamor for national media to talk about their local team. Who cares? If you like it, just like it. You don't need ESPN to talk about your team for you to enjoy it. I feel the same way about um, whether the the teams that I'm interested in have a road to a national championship. It's not going to stop me from watching it. I don't care what the ratings are. I'm in. Give me access to being able to watch the game. And, and I'm in. I'm going to find stories. I want to find stuff I'm interested yeah. in. But I understand that there are people out there that need other people to like something for them to also justify that they like it. <laughs> like this uh, whole like NFT supply and demand community of fandom. That's just not me. Yeah. All right. Well, um, somebody has to like Arizona State. 
And Arizona State is in shambles. They just had their quarterback, Jaden Daniels, leave. Uh, I mean, this is the 11th hour, bro. Spring ball is getting ready to start in very, very soon. And Arizona State usually starts early. So they're they're probably getting ready to practice in the next, what, how, how long before they start practice? They're lifting now. They're together doing team activities now. Yeah. So they've they've had years where their spring game was in like mid March. Yeah. So and now he leaves. They could have had Spencer Rattler. They <laughs> kept. They didn't take Spencer Rattler out of the transfer portal to keep Jaden Daniels. He was already discontent, and now he's getting ready to leave. And now Arizona State fans are melting down because they're like, "Yo, who's going to be our coach?" Uh, come this upcoming season, will Herm be able to last? Will Ray Anderson be able to stay the athletic director? Who's gonna, you know, like we can't recruit right now, dude? This is this has turned into a minimum four year fix for ASU because their recruiting classes are down. Yes, they're getting a couple guys out of the portal, but you can't fix your line with the portal. Because good linemen don't hop in the portal for whatever reason. D and if they do, if like a Florida international lineman jumps in the portal, he got 50 offers the next day. Yeah, yeah. And he's probably going to Alabama, Georgia, you know, like one of the big boys because he looks like a first-round draft pick. So now if you are like Arizona State, like how bad is this? Because I think that this is – I, I think that you're nearing rock bottom if you're not there already. I think it's bad for morale, but um, that's it. I don't think it – I think a lot of the other stuff that has happened, I think Antonio Pierce being caught up in this, you know, going from expected to fill the shoes of Herm Edwards uh, when he's gone to being persona non grata in Tempe – is a much bigger issue because a lot of that talent came because of Antonio Pierce. Jaden Daniels, there was a lot of hope and promise for him, but at the end of the day, you can replace one touchdown pass a game. You can replace half a touchdown run a game and you can replace 175 passing yards a game. Yep. That's not, that's not going to be difficult. It's the, the emotion behind it is the idea that, um, that it's just one domino after another and that Jaden Daniels put out this announcement video saying that he was coming back to Arizona State on December 2nd and now he's gone. Um, I, think that, I think the fans feel spurned. I think they feel like there's a complete lack of institutional control. And mostly I think that fans feel like the athletic director and the head coach aren't truthful about the circumstances and yeah. aren't accessible to address the questions that people have. I think those are legitimate criticisms. I do think people are also very emotional about things that, you know, the, the damage damage has been done. You're going to get better quarterback play than you had last year. It was either going to be from Jaden Daniels playing better than he did last year or whoever steps in. I don't think the Jaden Daniels thing is that big of a deal. Spencer Rattler, I'm going to tell you right now, I talked to him today. I got clarification on exactly what happened in that situation. And the idea that you were going to have Spencer Rattler and Jaden Daniels battle it out was never going to happen. Spencer Rattler was interested in going to Arizona state. Jaden Daniels said he was going to come back. 
Spencer Rattler wasn't going to go somewhere where a three-year starter was already entrenched. The end. In Spencer's words, I I wasn't going to mess with his spot. That's his spot. He's been there. Right? Like, so he moved on to what he believes is a better situation for him. So I don't think people should be grieving Spencer Rattler. I don't think people should be grieving Jaden Daniels. Uh, The fact that people are mad at him is really confusing. He won 18 games in two and a third year. Just thank him and move on. It's next man up. They got a good backup in Trent Borgay. They got a transfer from Alabama. They got your boy Finn Collins. They're going to figure that part of it out. The real issue for Arizona State is going to come two years down the road when they pay for the recruiting sins of last year and this year. No. They could win eight, nine games next year. Do you disagree? Uh, I think they're probably more of a seven-win team, but six or six or seven wins. But they're uh, but with their schedule, I have to see who they're playing. Um, Here's the deal: they are evil Knievel, right? They've left the ramp. They're jumping the thirty buses. Okay, it's pretty obviously they're not they're not going to land this trick, right? They're not going to land it. It's going to be yeah. disastrous. They're going to spend three months in a hospital with a million broken bones. But there's still time to do like a 180 in the air. Okay. So you can still do a cool trick before you crash the bike. And, and, so right and, now, and, they're, yeah, Arizona State is evil Knievel on the motorcycle. You know they're not going to land this trick, but they have a chance to do a flip. So, but they're trying and, not to break their neck. They just want to break the rest of their bones so that they can, you know, full body cast and eventually heal. So, I'm looking at their schedule. So they got Northern Arizona win, Oklahoma State loss, Eastern Michigan win. So they're going to start out two and one unless they pull a Washington. And then Utah, USC losses, uh, Washington, who the hell knows, Uh, Stanford, Colorado, possible wins. So that's four. Uh, They may or may not beat Arizona. I'm going to go with six wins. I'm going to go with six, six wins. wins. Okay. Hey, El Paso, here we come. <laughs> I love that cornflake bowl. <laughs> well, you guys, that is Reister wrong for the day. I'm George Reister. He's Ralph Hampton. Peace out. Catch you guys later. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.